Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Whispering Woods podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And every week we'll be sharing true spooky stories as I try and terrify my youngest child. You can't scare me. I'm going to try my darndest. <laughs> we'll start with a little bit of an introduction about us and what to expect from the podcast. Would you like to go first, Toby? No. <laughs> I obviously get it from you, Mum, because I love getting frightened too. I love watching TikTok and YouTube videos. But my favourite has to be going ghost hunting with my mates. You just love it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, me, I'm quite obsessive, actually, about the paranormal. In school, I used to be called witch a lot. Why is that? I don't really know. Well, I used to try and read people's fortunes. I would sit behind them and then rub their temples and tell them pictures I'd see. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised you were called a witch. <laughs> I hate school anyway. <laughs> I'm not really sure why I'm into the paranormal. I just, I just think I always have been since my granddad gave me a book when I was about seven and I became obsessed with it. Poor Rog has to bear with me when I watch all of these awful programs just to sift through, trying to satisfy my need for the paranormal. I've had like some traumatic experiences in life, so I think some of it comes from that. But. I think it's just always been there, really. I'm somebody who likes to get scared. I like yeah. to feel the magic, you know? I want to yeah. know there's something else out there. So the format of the podcast will generally be me telling supposedly true stories to Toby, but don't worry, it isn't child abuse because he does love it. Normally, I'll cover one topic per episode with an introduction to the subject and then a couple of true stories that I've read about We'll be covering all sorts of things, so hauntings, folklore, aliens, cryptids, all of that sort of stuff. We'll have little discussions after the narrated bits. They will be ad-lib, so they can go completely anywhere. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, so if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, 
hit that subscribe button and let's get on with it. And in tonight's show, we are going to be discussing skinwalkers. Are you ready? Yes! The legend of the Navajo skinwalker is deeply rooted in Native American folklore. In a juxtaposition to medicine men and women who use their powers for good, skinwalkers are witches who have mastered the art of black magic and collude with dark spirits. This practice initially began during the colonization of the Americas. Becoming evident the intruders were attempting to conquer the lands, some medicine men and women turned to the dark arts in an effort to thwart their advances. Knowing there would be no turning back once the path of a skinwalker had been chosen, they gave tribal members detailed instructions on how to kill them once their mission had been completed. These extreme measures were taken to protect their people and way of life, but the practice has continued into modern times, as minds were corrupted by darkness, killing out of envy, anger or revenge. To be initiated into this dark practice, a witch must first sacrifice a member of their close family, ridding themselves of the last vestiges of humanity. They will then grind the bones of their prey to form corpse powder used to poison their victims. Merging themselves with animal pelts, they would eventually become one and the same. Customarily, a Navajo's Hogan is built with the door facing east to welcome the rising sun. But there's historical evidence of the remains of Hogan's with their doors facing west, and it's said these were built for dark practices. You should never speak of skinwalkers between dusk and dawn. In fact, These beings are so feared they are rarely spoken of by the indigenous people and many will deny their existence for fear of drawing attention to themselves. Whistling during the night may also attract a skinwalker as the sound is said to be used by them as a form of communication and windy nights are the best disguise to conceal their calls and footprints. With nefarious shape-shifting abilities, the skinwalker is described as enormous and part human, part beast. Typically, a wolf, coyote, bear, eagle, owl or crow with glowing red eyes. The more talented the skinwalker, the more they are able to fully align themselves with their chosen animal and if inclined to do so, they will attempt to enter your home and can mimic the voice of a loved one to draw your attention. Skinwalkers can also run at superhuman speed and extremely far distances, and are known to leave a foul stench in their midst. This smell, 
being the process of the body gently rotting away as the animal pelt absorbs into the flesh. The legend of the skinwalker was popularised into mainstream culture when a number of articles were published in the Utah press regarding a ranch in Ballard. The Shermans, the previous owners of the ranch, experienced some inexplicable and frightening events when they purchased the land in 1994. They then sold on the estate only two years later. So desperate were they to rid themselves of the property, they made a loss on their original investment. According to those interviewed on the TV series The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, the Navajo are said to have cursed the land after being mistreated by the Ute tribe, who in turn avoids the area at all costs. And with a myriad of unusual activity, this myth certainly appears to ring true. Amongst these strange occurrences recorded by the Shermans was the sighting of a large wolf-like creature but three times the size. It was making its way to a cattle pen where it then attacked a calf, biting its head through the bars. Terry Sherman shot the beast three times but it didn't even flinch. It looked towards him and slowly walked away. The Shermans also recounted that it left a foul smell like rotting flesh in the air. Feeding off fear, the Skinwalker's main objective is to destroy and corrupt, gaining wealth and prestige through the insidious application of their powers. Often hiding in plain sight, if a skinwalker's true identity is ever revealed, they must either commit suicide or they will suffer a horrible death within three days. I must say, when I was researching this, it gave me the right willies. What are the willies? Have you not heard of that? No, I haven't. It's when you get really scared of something, um, like when you get goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> Can you remember that you rang me to meet you from the bus and it was really, really windy? Yeah, I remember. That was wicked. I thought I was being watched by a skinwalker. When it's really windy now, I'm like, it's a skinwalker night. Do you ever do things like that? No, I don't. You're weird. <laughs> Just me then, is it? Yeah. Well, you've got no imagination, child. Any questions? What is a Hogan? A Hogan is the traditional dwelling of the Native American. So the Navajo. Um, they're circular and made of mud. And the reason they're circular is to represent the mother's womb. So they're really, really sacred places. They were built with the door facing east so that when they woke up in the morning, they would be facing the rising sun. But as the introduction said, they did find some Hogans with the door facing the opposite way. Are you ready for the second story? Yeah, bring it on. 
Okay, so this story has been written and reported as true. I'll leave a link in the description should anybody want to read it. I am a 23-year-old woman and I am half Cherokee from Georgia, USA. At the time that this story took place, my fiancé and I were living on a large farm in Maryland. We didn't use the farm, but we were renting a small house on the property and we were free to come and go around the grounds. I was only 19 at the time this took place and the only residents in our home were myself, my fiancé and our cat and dog. Our cat was a lunatic barn cat that I had rescued because I can't say no to animals that need help. And our dog was my loyal pit bull. She weighed about 75 pounds and was afraid of her own shadow. The farm was situated on around 20 acres of land and our driveway was about half a mile long. So usually, when I got home from work, my dog and I would go for a walk and my fiancé would come with us. Not that I was afraid to go out alone, just that he spent too much time playing games and needed to use his legs. After our driveway was a 12-mile long road through woods and farms until it finally reconnected with civilization. So it was safe to say that we were far from other people, except for our landlord, of course. The first miles were through open farmland, followed by a brief patch of forest and then about half a mile of wheat fields and then solid forest for two more miles. Now that you have a bit of the layout, on to the really creepy bit. So it started off like any other weekday evening. My fiancé and I returned home from work to our happy cottage and happy pets. Harley, our dog, was frantic to go for a walk, so I quieted her and changed into walking place and asked if my fiancé would be joining us. He had gotten home shortly after me and said he'd seen one of the coyotes that we have around close to the field by our house. But as you may know, coyotes are mostly scavengers, especially out here on the East Coast. So I wasn't too worried and I'm very capable of defending myself. I called him a puss and then told Harley that we could go and that we would be fine without him. Laughing to myself, we left the cottage and started walking towards the driveway. The sun was going down and the October air has started to get a chill to it and it rustled through the cornfields. The corn was about six feet tall at this point in the year and impossible to see through. So I assumed that my fiancé was just trying to scare me because there was no way he could have seen a coyote in this field. Harley was enjoying herself, tearing in and out of the corn stalks. And I knew that being the big coward she was, that she would soon alert me to any danger very quickly and by running away. 
By the time I reached the end of the driveway, the sun had set and the moon which had already come out was shining high above the fields. It wasn't quite full, but it provided enough light that I didn't need to use my flashlight or Harley's collar light. We turned left down the road and proceeded across the first section of field. The first field was soybeans, and if you don't know, they are relatively short plants that nothing but a rabbit could hide in. And off in the distance, I spotted a few deer, but nothing alarming, so we relaxed and enjoyed our walk through the night air. I threw a stick, and Harley brought it back, over and over again, typical dog and owner stuff. We reached the first small section of trees and Harley stopped and bumped into my leg, letting me know there was something ahead. It wasn't a coyote or a deer, but there was a rabbit that had been hit by a passing car and it was still struggling. As much as I hate to say this, there was no way it was going to live And honestly, it's probably what drew the coyote pack in. I knelt down by it and, using my knife, quickly put it out of its misery and let it pass on to the next life. Feeling sad but somewhat relieved that all we had encountered was a handful of deer and that poor rabbit, we continued our walk and entered the next field. This was a wheat field, and the wheat was about ready for harvest, so it was quite tall and hard to see through. The field was quiet though, and Harley didn't do anything, so I figured that the coyotes had moved on, if there had been any at all. Now this is the part you've been waiting for, and I don't know what it was, but here it is. We rounded the corner of the field and into an area with wheat on our left and forest on our right, and the air seemed to go still. Harley got closer to me, and I heard rustling in the wheat field. I saw three tails circling back towards the forest. Coyotes. The eastern coyotes are small, but in a pack they get pretty ballsy. Harley raised her hackles, and I yelled, Get out of here, go on, clear off, as loud as I could, and the coyotes startled and then scattered off into the trees. I decided to turn around and get out of there before they decided to regroup, because I'm brave but I'm not going to walk into a darkened forest with a coyote pack and a cowardly pit bull. We went to head back and again I heard the rustling in the wheat. A confused coyote? I thought it must be, but no. Harley was standing stock still, staring at the wheat, and I whistled for her to come to me. That high-pitched, ear-piercing, two-fingered whistle. That snapped her out of it for a second. But then my whistle was returned from inside the wheat. All of a sudden, the family legends came flooding back to me, and I expected to see a tall, thin creature emerge, but nothing did. I didn't smell rotting meat or feel a sense of dread, 
Instead, I was transfixed with fear, but also curiosity. I whistled again. The whistle was returned again. Very human sounding, but at the same time, not. Against my better judgment, I said, Hello? My own voice replied, Hello? My hand on my knife, I said, Show yourself. Silence. No bugs, no coyotes, no Harley noises. Just my own breathing. Slowly, the rustling started again, and I turned on my flashlight. I shone it on the wheat field, and what I saw confuses me to this day. Animal eyes. That green-yellow reflection of light was cast back at me, but what it was connected to didn't make sense. There was a girl. (laughs) No more than 14 to 16, crouched in the wheat. She wore what I think must have been some kind of deerskin or fur and was naked otherwise. She was very thin and looked as though her skin had never seen sunlight. Her hair was long and tangled with wheat and leaves. Under any other circumstances, I would have said she was beautiful. But at that moment, she was terrifying. We stared at each other for what must have been a solid minute or so, but felt like much longer. Until I heard the unmistakable coyote howl from the forest. Both of our heads snapped towards the noise, and I immediately heard her take off through the wheat towards the sound. At that same moment, Harley took off towards our house and I went after her. We didn't stop running until we got to the driveway and then I stopped, not wanting my fiancé to know that I was scared. I could still hear the howling in the distance, so we started walking at a brisk pace. We made it back to the cottage with no further problems and I didn't tell my fiancé about it, not wanting him to go out with the gun. She hadn't hurt me, so I didn't think it right to hunt her. Later, I was awoken in the middle of the night by the sound of the coyotes outside our cottage. This wasn't usual, and now I wondered if she was with them. Finally, I stopped obsessing about that night and thought I'd imagined it all. But when I was coming home from work about a month later, I had to slam on my brakes for something in the road. It was dark and when my headlights hit the thing, its eyes reflected green and yellow. It was a large coyote. It just stared at my car for a moment and ran off into the woods. I know this sounds crazy, but I still wonder if that was her. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How do they choose which animal they want to be? What animal would you choose? Um, probably a dog. Why a dog? So I can blend in easier and hunt my prey. Oh God, that sounded a bit serious. <laughs> that is kind of precisely how they choose which animal they're going to be. So they'll look at the animals and they'll choose them for the qualities that they possess. Say you wanted to be sneaky, sneaky. You could be a fox and, and just, you know, stalk around the neighbourhood. Or say you wanted to spy on somebody through their window you could be an owl or a crow. What they do, once they've chosen the animal after they've done the kind of ritual by killing someone from their own family, you better watch your back, young man. You're not killing me. <laughs> I could kill you quite easily in your sleep. The way you sleep, you sleep for England. <laughs> anyway, when they choose the what qualities they want to stalk their victims they will then catch the animal skin it really lovely stuff put the skin over them wear it until eventually they merge into a cross between a human and an animal oh spooky what animal would you be mother i would definitely be a wolf actually no i wouldn't i'd be a crow why would you be a crow so I can spy on you and your mates down the park. <laughs> See what you're getting up to. Actually, I'd be a really tiny, like, little sparrow watching you and your friends. Well, in that case, I'd be an eagle so I can eat you. Nice. <laughs> this is the third and final story. The resources and research links will all be in the podcast description if you want to take a look for yourself. Francis was born into a family of sensitives, where it was seen as unusual not to see or feel things that others couldn't. They never really discussed these abilities, as to them it was nothing out of the ordinary and part of everyday life. But one particular event would leave them traumatised and still haunts the family to this day. In 1978, soon after her graduation, Frances and her family relocated from Wyoming to Flagstaff, Arizona. And sometime between 1982 and 1983, a 20-year-old Frances, along with her mother, father and younger brother, took a road trip back to Wyoming to visit with friends in and around their hometown. Taking the family pickup, they took Route 163 through the Navajo Reservation, which included travelling through the town of Kayenta, 
south of the Utah border. Frances's Native American friend had described the beauty of the land to her, but also warned that strange things can happen on the road, and it can be a harsh place for non-natives, especially at night. Before leaving, her friend blessed the family and sent them on their way. The journey to Wyoming was uneventful, but the return trip was an altogether different matter. It was a warm summer's evening, and the family were once again travelling on the 163 towards Kayenta. It was a desolate stretch of road, and with no moon to light the way, the darkness seemed to stretch on forever. Frances was sandwiched between her mother and father in the cab, whilst her brother had settled into the back of the truck. After they'd been travelling for a couple of hours, her father broke the silence by informing the family that they had company. A pair of headlights had appeared behind them over the crest of a hill, and they disappeared as the car descended. Frances thought it was nice to have a bit of company on the road, particularly if something were to happen. Not long after, a storm began to roll in, and opening the window slider, Frances let her younger brother crawl from the back of the truck into the front seat before it began to rain. Turning to close the window, she again noticed the headlights from the other vehicle. She guessed they must be going to either Flagstaff or Phoenix, and presumed they'd probably meet them in Kienta when they stopped to refuel. Francis watched the headlights as they crested and disappeared over another hill. She waited for the vehicle to reappear, but it didn't. She told her father, who wasn't at all surprised, and said people do weird stuff when they're out on the road. Keeping watch for the headlights, Frances felt their pickup begin to decelerate and averted her eyes to the front as they rounded a bend. Time then seemed to stand still. It was like the atmosphere had stagnated and they were going in slow motion. She looked out of the passenger window, just as her mother screamed and her father yelled. Unsure of what was happening, she instinctively reached out and held down the door lock, simultaneously grabbing the handle so it couldn't be opened from the outside. Her father hurriedly switched on the interior light, and looking towards him, Francis saw his face was contorted in pure terror. He had gone pale, and the panic filling the cab was almost palpable. Her mother began shouting in a native language of Japanese, whilst her brother kept repeating, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The truck continued around the bend, and in an effort to avoid sliding into a ditch, her father pressed on the brake even more. It was at this point that Francis finally saw what the others had seen. Something leapt out at them from the ditch. It was a grotesque black figure, and although wearing men's clothing, this thing was certainly not human. Its glowing yellow eyes were now level with the cab, and it stared at the family for a few seconds before running off into the night. Extremely shaken up, 
the family finally reached Kienta and stopped for gas. They checked their vehicle for any signs of the creature, but found nothing out of the ordinary. They rested for around 20 minutes, but never did see the other vehicle. It was as if it had just disappeared. They eventually made it home after ensuring that the doors were kept locked and the cab light was left on for the remainder of the journey. But unfortunately, the sanctity of home was ruptured a few evenings later when Frances and her brother were awoken by the sounds of drumming. Looking out of the bedroom window, at first they could see nothing but the boundary fence and the forest beyond. But then the drumming grew louder and four men appeared around the perimeter. They were trying to climb the fence, but it looked like they couldn't quite get their legs up and over. It became obvious they were unable to breach the boundary of the home, and instead they began to chant. The chanting continued through the night, and Frances and her brother managed very little sleep. Frances eventually caught up with a Navajo friend, who told her that skinwalkers had been trying to attack her family. They wouldn't normally bother non-natives, but had been drawn to the family's abilities. She believed they wanted their unusual gifts for themselves, enough to risk exposure. But there had been something protecting them, and they were unable to penetrate this defence. Her friend then went on to bless the home, family and vehicles, and they haven't been bothered by skinwalkers since. Do we get skinwalkers in this country? No, because they are Native American folklore. Um, Other tribes in America do have a version of skinwalkers um, with different names. I know what a skinwalker is in Navajo. Go on then, hit me with it. Yinadlushi. Aha, well done, you got that right. Do you know what it means, though? Nope. One who goes on all fours, so it's not a literal translation, but that's what the Navajo would call them. I've seen a skinwalker before. Where? In front of me. When? Now. Ah, nice, very nice dad joke. (laughs) From my 12-year-old son. What's the verdict? Did any of that scare you at all? You know I don't get scared easily. Try harder next time. (laughs) That's the end of our first episode. If I could just ask a favour, if you could please subscribe and write us a review um, for the podcast as it really helps new shows. Please be kind though, as you know, we're really new to this. I'll leave a link to our website in the description so you can follow us on social media should you choose Uh, and apart from that thank you so much for listening and we shall see you again next week goodbye folks take care everyone imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.